Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Seeking Truth podcast. Today's episode we're going to be talking about sanctification. Now what is sanctification you might ask? Sanctification is the purification process that we go through after saying yes to Jesus uh, to help transform us more into the likeness of him, to help uh, leave behind our old versions of ourselves and start to walk out um, this this Christ representation that, that we can be and that we're called to be in him. So today we're going to start to talk about sanctification. We're going to go through some scripture and we're going to start to look at uh, what does it actually look like when we are going through a sanctification process and, and what happens to us when we're in this process. So if you were with us uh, last week in our episode, we actually went through salvation and we talked about how do we become saved? Uh, like, how do I know at what point I am saved and how do I receive salvation. So if you haven't watched that episode, um, some of the things we talk about today might be a little bit confusing um, because I'm going to assume that you have that foundational knowledge. Uh, that episode is also on the um, on the platform that you're listening to right now, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's an audio podcast. Um, so I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But if you're here and you're listening to this now, that's okay. We're going to go through this together. Um, yeah, but so we, we've we've talked about salvation. We're assuming that um, we're saved. That we've said that Jesus is our Lord and that we are, are wanting to follow in Him. And now we start to go through this sanctification process. So we know that we are saved when we're declaring and believing in Jesus. Um, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if anyone has declared that they are following Jesus, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So if we're seeing in scripture that becoming a Christian means that we are now a new creature and the old version of ourselves has passed away and we are now a new creature, how come we still struggle with sin? How come we still struggle with the same thought patterns and the same beliefs that we we had prior to accepting Jesus? So this is where the sanctification process comes in. So at this point, we are aware of God's law. We are aware of what God wants us to do and how he wants us to live. And we know this because this is common knowledge now across the world. No matter what nation you're from, no matter what religious background you've been brought up in, you have an awareness and a knowledge uh, of what the Christian God wants from us and how he wants us to live, right? So now people who have have chosen Jesus and have said, yes, I want to follow you. I want to declare that you are my Lord. There is an act of surrender there and it's it's a change of posture in our heart, the immediate change of our heart, becoming the new creature where we now no longer want to serve self, but we want to serve God. And that means that we are now wanting to outwork his, his will in our life. And this is where sanctification and the law comes into it. So our ability to follow the law, even though we, like we talked about last week, our ability to follow the law is not what saves us. It is what purifies us and cleanses us in that journey. And this is what helps us to cast off our old self completely and to start to walk in this relationship with Jesus and becoming more like him. There's a scripture that says in Romans 12, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. So it's talking about here as presenting our bodies as a sacrifice and and deliberately being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So there's words in there that show that there is intention behind this, that there is action behind this. So we have the immediate salvation and then we have the output, the actions that we are then choosing to outwork that faith in order to be continually renewed by the transformation of our mind um, and and to present our bodies as a sacrifice you know sacrifice implies that you are uh, giving up something that you want you know so there is a there's an action behind that and that's essentially what sanctification is sanctification is us giving up what we want in pursuit for transforming our minds and transforming our bodies and transforming our spirits more into the likeness of Christ. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Be an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So we, we have to be imitators of God. Again, it comes back to the action. Be imitators of God. Not you are imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Walk in love. It's their action points that we do. And, and there's this tension here um, that we'll talk about today about um, work and uh, faith. There's a tension between the works that we do and the faith that we have. Um, And as we've touched on last week, the works is not what saves us. The faith is what saves us. But out out of the faith comes this outworking, this flow of I want to do this now out of love, not out of obligation. So let's go have a look at some of those scriptures together so we can start to understand this idea of, of I'm saved and like now I have to outwork things. I thought I was already saved just by being saved. So let's have a look at some scriptures and see what it says. We're going to be looking at the book of James. Now, the book of James, that he was actually writing to people who had this exact question. There were some people who were saying, you know, I don't need to do good things because I'm saved. And then there was other people that were saying, well, I'm doing good things, therefore I'm saved. So he actually wrote a letter to these people to clarify this question about, am I saved by my works or by my faith? So he says, this is in James 2, we're starting in verse 14. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So the faith, that last part is saying, you know, show me, show me your faith without your deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. And you believe that there's one God. That's great. Good for you. Guess what? Demons also believe there's one God. But what's the difference between demons and Christians is that the, the works and the deeds that we are outworking. So if our faith isn't transforming our heart to want to outwork God, James is saying that it's not actually true faith. It's dead faith because your faith should should compel you to start doing good works for people. You know, and that's what he's saying. I'll show you by my, my faith by my deeds. 
Now, what about the other way? What about the deeds without the faith? Let's have a look again. He's talking now to people who are doing the things that they think are right and uh, being selective and showing favoritism to the people that they think are more religious and more holy. So it says here in uh, chapter two, verse five, it says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen these who are poor in the eyes of the world, like the homeless men and um, the people of lower socioeconomic status is, is who he was talking about in this because they were showing favoritism against them. They were, you know, saying, you can't come to our church service. Sorry, you're not welcome here. So it says, listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you to court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So this was talking to the people who were doing all the right things and having no love and no compassion. Um, and I would say no, no, I guess, faith in the love behind God. And uh, he's, he's speaking against that. He's saying, if you're not going to show love and mercy to the people around you, God is not going to show love and mercy to you because, you know, like he's saying, there's even if you're just breaking one part of the law, you're still a lawbreaker and you are now trying to condemn people who are breaking the law in other areas than you saying that they're sinners and, and they're lawbreakers. Um, and again, it's pointing out that we, we can never be perfect. We are, are flawed inherently and we can never be perfect. We can never uphold the whole law. And this is when it then goes into, you know, show me your faith by your deeds. You know, faith by itself is not good enough. Deeds by itself is not good enough. It's, it's show me your faith by my deeds. So this is, this is again, the sanctification process where, some people can know that there's a God, but they're not doing anything about that. They're not outworking that in their life. And then some people can know there's a God and want to be trying to do the right things for him, but completely missing the faith and the love in God, that trust and that relationship in God. And this is pointing out that both of them are, you know, not the right way to do it. You can't have deeds without faith and you can't have faith without deeds. They go hand in hand. Um, and the cool part about this passage, which we, we won't really look at today, but it talks about Abraham, um, and his faithfulness before the law was even given and how God actually said to him that he was being faithful, which shows that, um, you know, faith was given to him outside of the law and outside of doing the rules. And it was given to him because he was wanting to be obedient to God and what God asked him to do in that moment, even though there was no law against that. There was no written consequences for him not obeying that. But he did that out of the love and his faith in God. And God actually points him out saying, yes, you are holy and you are righteous because you have been faithful to me and obeyed me even before there was a law. So it, it, it just shows that it's less about the law. It's more about the faith and the outworking of that faith through obedience to God. 
So there's an immediate uh, moment of salvation, but then there's a deliberate act of choosing to act in a godly manner. So the sanctification journey and our ability to abide by God's law, this lays in our hands. This is this is up to us. Um, God meets us halfway. He comes to the party to to save us, and He has you know sacrificed His only Son so that we can receive salvation. He's given us a whole Bible that outlines how we can live a pure and holy life. So He's met us halfway, and now. It's up to us to meet him halfway and to actually outwork that law. Um, and it talks about in the Bible, you know, the one that reads the law and then goes away and forgets what it says and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks in a mirror, looks at their face and then walks away and forgets what it looks like. They're not taking that knowledge and outworking that in their life. So how do we go on the sanctification process? How do we start to become more like Christ. What do we do? Let's have a look at Ephesians 4. So um, the person that is writing Ephesians is someone called Paul. Paul actually used to hate Christians. He actually used to go around killing them um, because he was very Jewish and he believed that um, it was blasphemy for them to be saying that Jesus was the son of God. And so he was actually killing Christians. Um, and Jesus, after he had gone to heaven, um, actually showed himself to Paul, um, with a, with an audible voice and a booming light, uh, and said, I am Jesus and I am the son of God and you need to stop killing all of my people. And in that moment, Paul had a radical change and became a Christian and did amazing things. Most of the New Testament is written by Paul because he planted so many churches all around, um, like the Greek, um, Italian area, um, planted all these churches. And, and so this is one of the letters that he wrote to one of the churches that he planted in Ephesus. Um, so it's written to the Ephesian people. Um, and he's writing about sanctification and he's writing about how to continue walking with God every day. It says Ephesians 4, it says, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of that truth. We can take off our old self, which we know is being corrupted by sinful desires. That's what he's talking about. When he says lusts of deceit, um, it's because sin is dece deceptful, deceptful, deceitful. <laughs> sin is deceitful. It convinces us that this is something that we want, or this is something that's good for us. And then we get sucked into that rabbit hole of actually, you know, our lives getting worse and worse and worse and worse and having more and more and more pain and all this stuff. So that's, that's what he's talking about when he's saying the lusts of deceit. It's, it's basically sin and being uh, manipulated by sin and and by the devil to keep sinning. So lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of deceit and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So this scripture is kind of painting a picture that we have like an old body that we can take off and we have a new body that we can put on. Now it doesn't say body is saying spirit, right? The spirit of our mind, but to help us conceptualize, imagine taking off your old skin, your old avatar and putting on a new skin. And this new skin, uh, is created in righteousness and holiness of truth. So this new skin is perfect, but we have trouble putting it on. Maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable or we're not quite sure how to put our hands 
into the sleeves and so it's difficult for us to completely wear it from day dot and I think this aligns with what it said before about you know you are a new creation there's a new self so at the moment of salvation we have a hundred percent possibility to live righteous and pure and holy but just because it's possible doesn't mean that we live that way from day dot and that we live that way all of the time because we keep being corrupted by this deceitfulness of sin and we keep slipping back into that old self and the old patterns of mind um, and ways of thinking because we you know it's hard for us it's hard for us to change everything instantaneously it's hard for us to separate uh is this a is this a holy thought or an unholy thought and that's why it's talking about in this scripture to be renewed by the spirit of our mind, because our mind really controls uh, everything that we're doing. You know, we have so much self-control in our mind and we process everything in our mind. And that's that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's the key of um where our salvation is, it's, it's the heart and the mind. With the heart, we feel the love and we feel the faith. And out of the head comes the thoughts that influence our actions um, and, and can, can diminish our faith uh, and make us feel more doubt and feel less connection with God out of all of these thoughts. And vice versa, the love that we feel can manipulate our thoughts as well. So we see this beautiful picture painted in Ephesians, I think, of, of what it is, this daily walk with God. Um, and the more that we lean into that process of actually letting go of that old self and putting on this new self, the the more quickly we'll be uh, purified and sanctified. Or I guess... Um, the easier it will be for us to live out that holy way of life because we're practicing it. It's a daily discipline of practicing to live in this way and not in our old way. And the more that we are practicing and disciplining ourselves in doing that, the easier it's going to be. Um, and this is why, again, God has his laws because he knows if you do these things, it's just going to make it really difficult for you to be pure and holy and righteous. So like if you're going around lying and cheating all the time, that's going to make it really difficult because you haven't disciplined your mind in those areas to then put on your new self and act in a really righteous and, and virtuous way because you're so used to lying and cheating, you know? So these rules are there, these laws are there because they help us become more righteous and more holy. They're not restrictive, they're actually um, conducive to us becoming more like Christ. And it's possible. We know that it is possible to do this because Jesus showed us. Um, and I think that's a really key thing to him coming down to earth is that he showed us through the way he lived that this is possible. Like he... Um, it talks a lot in the Bible about um, he's he struggled with the same desires and and lusts and temptations that we do because he came in a fully human body. And that was part of the reason why he did that, because, you know, otherwise we'd be like, God, you just don't understand how difficult it is with, you know, all of these temptations and desires and thoughts and feelings. So no, sorry, Jesus came down and he had a fully human body and he experienced all of the thoughts and the feelings and the, tempta the temptations that we experience. Um, and he shows us that we can actually, through the power of our mind and through transforming our mind and lending ourselves to um, this new self, this spirit of God guiding us, that we can actually live pure, holy and blameless lives um it'll take a lot of work though and jesus is amazing that he 
could do that. And I think honestly, the way he did that was being so connected with God and really taking the time daily to re-sanctify himself, to cleanse himself from all of the gunk of the world that was trying to be pushed upon him by those around him, realign himself with God, realign with God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? Not what I want to do, Lord, but what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to speak to today? And I genuinely believe it was that that constant reconnection and retouching with God every day um, that really helped him to remain so pure and holy. And we see that in the Bible as multiple verses where he actually pulls himself away from his disciples to go and pray and spend time with the father. And he came back, you know, uh, refreshed in the morning because he'd woken up at the crack of dawn to do this, to come up refreshed in the morning and have a clear, like, right, we're going here today. So he was a man just like, just like we are men. And he, he needed to really go through this, um, cleansing process on a daily basis as well. And it just points to the power of the Holy Spirit and, you know, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in laying aside your old self and picking up your, your new self every day. And the impact that that can have on our walk with God and our purification and our sanctification uh, of living out this life and representing him to others. It says in John 16, it says, When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all of the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's Jesus speaking. This is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So Jesus is telling us the spirit of truth will come. He will guide us into all of the truth about what we should do, how we should behave. Um, like I was saying before, where should we go? What should I do today? Who should I speak to? All of that stuff came from the Holy Spirit. Um, and he will speak to us what he hears and tell us what is to come. And we know it's Holy Spirit because it will glorify Jesus because what he's speaking to us is what Jesus is speaking to us spirit of truth is called the advocate or the messenger. So he's the messenger between God, the father and Jesus Christ to us about what they want us to hear. And he is our personal guide that lives within us always. A scripture that says that the Holy Spirit lives within us just as the father and son live within each other and a one Holy Spirit uh, lives in us so that we are then one with God and the father so that we can receive from them and that we can uh, be transformed and be renewed because uh, we're not going about this blindly. Like God really gave us all the tools that he could to ensure that we had everything we needed in order to live out pure and holy lives. Uh, so he gave us all of the rules. <laughs> he gave us all of the scriptures. He gave us letters of encouragement to people going through similar situations. He gave us the faith and love and the trust in him. And now he's given us his own personal spirit that is a, uh, a messenger directly to us and to our hearts to help us renew our minds and keep walking in him every day. So if that isn't a sign that he, he wants everyone to be saved and he wants everyone to be as holy and pure and blameless as we can, I don't know what else, you know, like... All of these things he's done just so that we can have a relationship with him and be the best versions of ourselves that we can while on earth. He has done above and beyond what what he needed to do. Like we could take any one of those things and it would help us. But he has given us so many tools and so many things because he does not want 
anyone to perish and he wants everyone to continue to walk with him even after they're saved like it's not just i'm saved one and done okay that's it i never have to think about this again no it is a daily transformation be transformed by the renewing of your mind lay aside your old self there is actions there's there's works that we need to do to go through this sanctification process and become more like christ because our old selves not good not good at all we yeah we talked about this before we're just we're horrible people horrible people we're so selfish all we care about is ourselves. All we care about is things that benefit us. And yes, some of that stuff does get immediately cured and immediately healed upon salvation. But for every Christian I know, every Christian I know, there is a sanctification process as well, where we are walking every day to learn more about God, to become more like him um, through this cleansing, through this purification Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, so that the proof of our faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ Jesus. God wants to cleanse us. God wants to partner with us in this cleansing process. And God uses the analogy all throughout the Bible of uh, the dross or the impurities of metal and how in order to get those impurities out of metal, um, you need to, you know, put them back into the fire. You need to to remold them and reshape them and test the, the endurance and the, um, the metal through uh, this fire ordeal. Um, and so one of the verses is in Proverbs 25 and it says, take away the dross from the silver and there comes out a vessel from the smith. So saying by us going through this, you know, testing process, this period where we get put into the fire and reformed out will come a vessel for the blacksmith that the blacksmith can use to make something so this is the purpose of the sanctification it's the sanctification the purification it's getting those impurities out of us getting that dross off of us all of the sin that's stuck on us um, and the only way to do that is by you know going into the fire going through trials going through uh, lessons in life that help transform the way that we think away from our old self and transform us into a suitable vessel that can house his spirit and um, share his spirit out with the world. So I hope that that was helpful. I hope that that's helped you understand sanctification and that purification process a little bit more. We will be looking um, again, continuing with this, this understanding of salvation. And next episode, we're going to be looking at, can we lose our salvation? You know, if we've talked about today that, you know, Yes, we're saved. Yes, we believe, but we need to actually um, keep outworking that in our life. We're going to look at, well, can we then lose our salvation if we're not doing that? So that will be our next episode next week. I hope um, you have a beautiful week and God bless. Bye.